You are listening to Boss Tone Radio. Talk for Guitar, presented by BossUS.com. Hi, this is Paul Hansen, the host of Boss Tone Radio. Today, we have a super interesting guest. We have Andy Summers of the super group known as The Police. On The Police's recent reunion tour, I read they sold 3.7 million tickets and grossed $358 million, making it the third highest grossing tour of all time. Andy is also the author of an award-winning autobiography. The book is called One Train Later, a memoir. And we'll talk about that and talk about all kinds of things. Andy's also played in lots of other bands. Hey, first, let me play an excerpt from a song that helped launch the police. Of course, you've heard this massive hit before. This is an excerpt from Roxanne. Roxanne, you don't have to wear that dress tonight. Walk the streets for money. You don't care if it's wrong or if it's right. here from Boss. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask this question first. Do you recall which police songs you've used a Roland guitar synthesizer on? Yeah, obviously, one of the famous ones that I did it on was Don't Stand So Close To Me. I did that whole uh, chunk, instrumental chunk in the middle of a song with the, God, what was that one called back then? 550 or something? Or maybe G or 300? Whatever it was. I remember you were in a video once, probably one of the police number one hits, and you were playing a Roland GR707 synth. Yeah, I gotta remember which one is which. Is that a silver one? Yeah, the silver yeah, one. I had that. I don't have it anymore, unfortunately. It's just. Yeah, I used that one, and I think I did some stuff with Robert Fripp for that back when we did a couple of albums together. I remember the Robert Fripp, the album you guys did. You both played guitar synth, and it was pretty groundbreaking. Can you tell us about that? Uh, well, we did two albums. What the first one was called "I Advanced Mask." Uh huh. The second one was "Bewitched." Yeah, it's gone back a bit. Um, well, I mean, you know, that kind of technology was just starting to emerge then, and uh, I know everybody mm-hmm. was sort of excited about all this stuff. You know, like I had a peak Cornish pedal board, and then you know, getting this Roland gear, which I don't know when the first so-called guitar synth came out, you know, the one with the two blue boxes and all that. Right. The two of them hooked up together. But uh, I was sort of known for it then, and obviously I was in an extremely high-profile band. Right. And, you know, I, I sort of went with it, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I was starting to use all this technology, and, and obviously I'd, we were always on tour. I was always playing, so, and, you know, I was in a position of having to fill out two hours in a trio with, you know, trying to keep the sound interesting all the way rather than just being one straightforward guitar sound. Yeah. Anyway, that was our style at that particular time. The Roland synth played in quite well. I didn't wasn't able to use it so much on stage, but in fact mm-hmm. I did use it a bit when we did you know that song in particular uh, just sounds so close to me. Great song. One little comment about it is the original was in F and then there's a sort of guitar lick with it. By the time we actually got to perform it on stage Singer decided what to do it, he's back, <laughs> which yeah. just makes you know the guitar figures 
kind of impo- you can't play it in E flat, you know, and keep it sounding the same, right? Right. You yeah. know, we would do it towards the end of the show, is my memory, and I had the uh, the Roland guitar and the synths all ready to go, so I'd just strap it on, but I had to drop the whole guitar to E flat, which is not such an uncommon practice, except, you know, tricking the, the synth sound, so I had to have, like, super heavy um, strings on the guitar. Yeah. Like, I had, a, like, 60 on the bottom string. Oh, my gosh. Just to hold the tuning, yeah. Uh-huh. I always remember that. Did you have a special guitar, or, or that was the guitar that came no, with? I used the, um, mm-hmm. whatever that brown-colored guitar was, which right. I still got, and it was always actually a great guitar. GR300, I think. Yeah, very good guitar, actually. Huh. I mean, just the instrument itself, apart from what it's supposed to do, technically, it was a nice, nice instrument to play. Here's an excerpt from that section Andy was just talking about, from Don't Stand So Close to Me with the rolling guitar synth. Don't stand so close to me. And the GR300 used um, modeling technology also, so there wasn't really much of a tracking issue. Uh-huh. I, think, I mean, you couldn't get that many sounds out of it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Stuart always laugh. Well, Andy say, listen to this sound, and he'd go, <laughs> and he said, well, listen to this other one. And this one goes, <laughs> listen to this one, and he goes, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I used to find a way of tuning in fourths and fifths that was uh-huh. you know, for a guitar at the time. You can remember how long ago this was. Yeah. It was impressive. It was, yeah. Yeah, you know, we all, you know, <laughs> you know, added a big element at the time, you know, by today's standards, of course. It, it wouldn't be much, but we're talking a long time ago. Yeah. Right, right. When you did I Advance Masked, I remember... Uh, reading in Guitar Player an interview that you were a fan of Robert Fripp, and it was very cool. No, that's not true. No? <laughs> Fripp and I grew up in the same town. Ah. We even passed through the same band at one time. He, you know, we were about the same age. I knew about him. I hadn't really met him much uh-huh. in the hometown, but there was definitely a connection through various people, and obviously we came from a small town in England. Um, but the reason I played with him, you know, we ended up making an album together. You know, I was sort of in the let's say, the cage of the police at the time, and which, as you can imagine, was the right word, you know, like being in a fishbowl. Wow. Was so yeah. popular. Fish and, bowl. you know, in my own self-esteem as a musician, I just felt like I'd go and play something with somebody else because I felt like all I could play with the police songs at that point. Um, uh-huh. And I, I don't know, in my listening at that point, I heard Robert play, a, I thought, a great solo on a track he recorded with um, the Roaches, the sisters he produced the album. Roaches, female group, yep. And I really dug this solo and it sort of made me think about him. And, and obviously, the fact that we came from the same town and on uh-huh. and so forth. Uh, anyway, long story short, we ended up getting together and chatting about it and thinking that we probably could do something. And we ended up going back to our hometown, in fact, and went to the studio of another guy that we'd grown up with who by this time had a studio and was you know, really pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, Actually, it was great fun. We had a great time together. I uh, really enjoyed it. But, you know, it was sort of a separate thing. I wasn't, like, hanging around listening to King Crimson. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think Robert's a really interesting musician. I like more of the stuff he's done with, uh, you know. 
Brian yeah. Eno. Yeah. Like the last one, right? Equatorial Stars, I thought it was terrific. Yeah. No, we're very, very different players. And I remember your video with the uh, really exotic kind of Asian girls and the yeah. videos. Yeah. God, that's hilarious now. They're all on YouTube. You know, somebody started saying. <laughs> I uh, thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that we did two videos. I mean, it's an unbelievable thing that a record company would have paid that kind of money to make videos of instrumental music. Uh-huh. Uh, but they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the second one we did called Parade was hilarious too. It's like a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Andy, I wanted to ask you about your guitar tones with the police. They're really unlike other guitar players because um, you played clean. Did you decide to to do this? No, I didn't decide to play clean. In mm-hmm. fact, I probably didn't really play clean. There was a certain amount of dirt on the signal. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I always like it. You know, a so-called clean sound. Have a little bit of fur on it. Gives it more warmth. You know, uh-huh. it's definitely into analog. Um, no, I mean, there's plenty of uh, solos on the Police guitar records that, that now I'm using whatever fuzz boxes were around at the time, uh-huh. definitely. Um, what are you talking about? Something like Walking on the Moon or something? Yeah, and the effect? beautiful chorus kind of sounds. and Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, the whole style comes out of reacting to the people you're with, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, the thing about the police music, I think, came about, you know, one of the things that makes it so authentic, it was three people really reacting to you, three very different players coming together and finding a way to make these songs sound like that, partly because we didn't really want to sound like anyone else. And, you know, as I was, we were getting into the process and Sting was starting to, you know, develop as a songwriter and bring these things out, we were mm-hmm. sort of conscious of the fact we didn't want to sound like just any old punk band out there. Um, mm-hmm. This was the music that was within, you know. I mean, I've been playing for a while at that point and uh, uh-huh. was able to um, come up with this stuff, you know, like, playing things like D minor 11 and, you know, and suspended chords or fragments of chords and then using, uh, you know, choruses that came available and, you know, and of course, in particular, the um, Echoplex, Tape echo. which became a big hallmark of our sound, particularly live. And that changed the sound of the band once I got the Echoplex. Uh-huh. It made the sound of the band so big and also I could uh, create these rhythms with the Echoplex, which I was probably hearing anywhere else at the time. Here's an excerpt from that song Andy was just talking about called Walking on the Moon. By the way, this was the number one hit in the UK, and it's one of their reggae-style kind of tunes. You know, it's like suddenly you've developed this sound, partly from mm-hmm. avoidance of trying to sound like anyone else. It's this sort of what we call um, procedure by negation. Don't want to do this, don't want to do that, don't want to do that. What's what my left with? This is it. And so it sort of comes about, you know, and then suddenly you're going, hey, I think I got something here. And you, you realize it's a sort of a signature sound and you, you can stay with it, you know. 
Would you have uh, your tech adjust the uh, echoplex for different songs so it's at different rhythmic groupings? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I did it all in those days. I mean, obviously, things have changed considerably. Uh -huh. I mean, those days, I mean, it's sort of laughable when I think back about it. No, I had, um, you know, on stage, I, you know, I was having my Pete Cornish pedal board in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, like typically stabbing away at everything and, you know, and changing the colors through the song. And on, over on the side, I had like table with a couple of things, but definitely the echoplex. So, you know, and I, I had uh -huh. the arrow that moves up and down the thing. Slider. Uh, or the speed of the repeat. You know, I had it marked. You uh -huh. know, I had a little, maybe a magic marker. So I, I knew like, okay, can't I'm losing it. I've got to go up. 32 you know ah. I'd, I'd move it around yeah but i would just go over and do it by hand yeah and echoplex has just had that slider yeah it's very it's old simple yeah. technology <laughs> that's very a... simple but you know kind of marvelous because there's a thing i do you know it's always been on cuts and losing your i, I can't play, stand you know, losing uh -huh. eighth notes and you get an absolutely strong 16th note repeat pattern and i've tried doing it with you know like the moog stuff and that. Mm -hmm. i never get it exactly as good as the Echoplex. Hmm. I've never been able to get it. And huh. I'm sure somebody could make it like, I just want this one thing. Huh. All it has to do is do this one thing. There's a new boss delay that has a tape uh, simulation. Is it the sound of the tape? The Echoplex itself, <laughs> obviously, because it's got valves in it, it's got a very uh, rich sound. I mean, it's very recognizably yeah. Echoplex. Uh -huh. There's a beautiful um, kind of mellow, but you know, like valve-rich harmonic sound that comes with the echo play. That gives you something. I've got a couple of very nice, what's it called, El Capitan or something. It's one I got recently, which uh -huh. is really pretty good. It's very close to the echo play. So I, I, it's some little pedal I got. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I've got so much. Yeah. Like that. I've got a studio full of it. Back in the police days, were there any boss pedals that you um, uh, gravitated? Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, I obviously had the Roland Boss Chorus. Uh, CE1. The the, yeah, the Chorus Ensemble. CE1 or the yeah, well, CE2. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little pedal, right? No, what was it? there was a bigger box, you know. The CE2 was a small pedal, but the CE1 was a larger. Yeah, I had the big box for yeah. a while because it was very uh -huh. good. You know, for a long time in that period, I operated with my Pete Cornish board once it was all set. Obviously, as it time went on, I got I got the boss pedals. Do you use a phase shifter also? I, I'm not big on phase shifting, uh -huh. actually. I always thought it was kind of a corny sound, actually. Yeah, chorus is a more rich... Well, chorus is good. You, I mean, I think we've all been through the chorus phase, and uh, uh, there are times when it really works. It's nice to have it in, and uh, but generally, in terms of soloing or anything, it makes the note too wide and wobbly. I... S I think I read that you use a, one of the Boss loopers, the RC20XL. Um, I have, yeah. I've got a looper in the studio. I've been recording for months. i um, very happy to say my main thing I've been using is the uh, VG99, is it called? Yeah, VG99. Man. It's killer, you know. Man, I have one of those, too. It's my main thing. What kind of sounds do you use uh, it for? I mean, for? It, it's so good. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. best anyone's ever made out of... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the ones I've tried, uh, modeling. You know, I'm standing in front of my recording desk, and, you know, I've got all my amps out there, and I always go through this, like, guilt trip, like, oh, my God, I better go and plug in an amp. <laughs> and then I end up plugging in the bloody <laughs> you know, and it's so good. You know, we get it out through the speakers, you know, um, huh. great. I mean, I can't remember the names of all the sounds. I know that um, for a lead sound on most of this album I've done with uh, 
Strat and a Les Paul. Uh-huh. You know, it does make a difference which guitar you plug in. Uh-huh. Um, but I use the 150 a lot for the lead sounds. and then uh, Is that the patch number, 150? I, I may be giving you a false number. Because one of the things we did... You can move patches. Regroup. The box comes to you with about 400 sounds, right? Right. There's 200 uh, presets and then 200 user presets that you can make. Yeah, but, you know, it goes from, like, acoustic guitar to, like, wild space effect to, like... Yeah. Martians to, like... Yeah. Les Paul in a Fender. You know, it's, like, yeah. so mixed up. You know, I don't understand... Yeah. You know. I think there's a... there's a Well, key. let me just finish this. What I did is... Mm-hmm. Now, I know you can sort of do it, but I went through the whole thing, and we took some time, and I put it all in a book so that I could really, you know, uh-huh. interface with this thing. I regrouped all the sounds completely so that, like, all the so-called acoustic sounds are together, the detuned sounds are together, ah. and it goes to rock, guitar sounds, then effects. So they're all, they're all in one place. Right. Then you go to the next group. And I think that's really the way the engineers should make it. Lining them up. Well, you want, like, okay, I want a rock sound, and then you've got, you know, got 20 rock sounds. You go, well, it's going to be one of these, or yeah. I want something kind of spacey, go to the spacey sounds. Yeah. But they don't. They, like, mix it up completely. Right. It's, it's like they're sort of showing off with all the sounds they can do, but it really is illogical. Yeah. They should make those boxes so that it's just like, here's all your space, here's all your acoustic, here's all your rock, here's your jazz, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think because they mixed them up, I think they even added a category button so you could later on organize them in categories. But why not just do it? No, yeah, I see that. You (laughs) sort of do it, but I I completely redid it. And I printed it all out and I've got it in a book so I go let me look at the book I go okay I want okay go page 10 all right that's right. the rock so let's see we've got 25,000 <laughs> you know and I've done it over the last few months so much that I'm pretty familiar with it all now and I've got to say I think the thing is fantastic it is do you use the guitar different guitar models inside there or different tunings tuning guy? I'm not a big alternate tuning player I mean a bit of it here and there I know guys who just that's all they do every song they play is a different tune I know, I mean, uh, it's, my criticism of altered tuning players is, well, just like, why don't you learn some chords? <laughs> <laughs> I always think that. I say, standard tuning has got it all, you know, and most of the great guitar players are, don't play in altered tunings. And the problem with altered tuning is that you can immediately tell that it's altered tuning and you can only do a one thing. Whatever you tend to do with it, it starts to sound modal after a while. And my, I find that my ear tires of the altered tuning. You know, playing standard tuning, it's like playing the piano. I mean, it's infinite. It's still the greatest tuning, you know? Right. Anyway, it's clever that they do it, and there are moments where you can use it, but um, I'm not a big, big on that, actually. Hey, let's check out another excerpt of Andy playing along with his band, The Police. This is from one of my favorite songs, Spirits in the Material World, from the Ghost in the Machine album. That's a freaky concept, Ghost in a Machine. Just following up on the VG99, do you plug that into the console or do you go into an amp? We've done both. Mm-hmm. Generally, straight into the desk, yeah. Occasionally, I've 
tried it through an amp and done stuff, but I usually find it sufficient to go mm-hmm. through the desk. But, you know, I've also used other boxes with it as well. Ah. You know, like use like a really nice sustain, one of the rock sounds, and then uh-huh. I run it through something like um, like that Lin guitar thing, whatever huh. it's called. Do you send it to an aux send and then return it from the console? You mean like... Send an aux send of the VG99, or do you actually plug the VG99 into the the Lin unit? Well, I don't do it personally. My uh-huh. guy does it. Um, uh-huh. Huh. I think he just runs it, the, the Lin... Which way round is it? Like the, the VG99 comes first, then through the lane, and then into the board. Huh. You can always call him and ask him if you want. I'm just uh, so thrilled to talk to you. Hey, I wanted to ask you, someone told me that you sold a, guitar, a Les Paul to Eric Clapton, and they wanted me to ask you about that. Well, that's all in my book. The whole story's there if you want to read it. Uh, I'll take a moment here to plug Andy's book, one Train Later by Andy Summers, a memoir, and uh, it's getting great reviews, and uh, I'm going to read it. It's uh, available where fine books are sold, Amazon, and many other places. One Train Later. Back to Andy's story about the guitar he sold to Eric Clapton. Yeah, I did. You know, we were good friends at the time, and uh-huh. I mean, briefly, famous story his was stolen. I'm sure you know that story, but... Um, oh, yeah. We were playing a lot in the same clubs at the same time together, and I when I bought this Les Paul for about 80 pounds at the time. And Eric came to me and he said, God, I love that guitar. Where'd you get that? I said, oh, it's said Les Paul. He said, I said, there's another one. You should go and get the other one. He went and got it. And then, you know, of course, it eventually got a soul. And then he came after. And I, I, by that time, I'd really sort of stopped playing the Les Paul. And I, I was really into the Telecaster, you know. Uh, uh-huh. And Clapton started coming after me to ask me to sell it. And I didn't want to sell it. And then, you know, of course, none of us had any idea about what the value was worth. It was probably a 59. Some birth, it's worth about a million dollars. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, I sold it to him for 200 pounds, I remember. You know. That's like 300 bucks. Funny, you know, he kept calling me. I finally gave him all right. Oh, my God. What a story. Asking for it back, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Eric back in the days that you were in the animals and uh, well, I, soft machine? No, I... Yeah, I did. That was what I knew him. I mean, I knew him a little bit before I was in the animals. Uh, as I was saying, we were playing around London together, lots of the same gigs, same circuit. Uh-huh. Um, I knew him when he was playing with John Mayle, and then uh-huh. he left and formed the Cream, and uh, I think he recorded most of Fresh Cream on that Les Paul. Wow. Did you ever jam with Eric? You must have, of course. A couple of times, yeah. yeah. When you were in the animals, did you guys tour with Jimi Hendrix? Uh, no. Yeah, I was around Hendrix a lot. You should read my book, because there's a great anecdote in there about me playing with him, him, him playing bass while I played lead. <laughs> read the book. Jimmy played yeah. bass. He so played I... bass, and I played the lead. I played lead. <laughs> it's kind of a gobsmacking moment. Wow. Yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. And I am going to get your book, One Train Later. Any last words about Roland and Boss Gear? I'm a, a big fan of Roland Gear, obviously, and... It's an album that I've made now, which will be, it's a rock album, which will be coming out shortly. Definitely features a lot of uh, Roland stuff. Is it a solo Andy Summers album? I've put together a band. I I can't really say too much more about it. And so the VG99 and um, maybe you're using some Roland keyboard synths too? Yeah, yeah, I use their, what's the big one? The Uh, Phantom? Yeah, got that on it. There's that, I got bits of the Roland drum kit. 
Any boss pedals? Um, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've replete with this stuff. I've, you know. <laughs> yeah. But the VG99 in particular was uh, really, it was terrific this time. Do you use the Boss Floor Tuner, or your techs probably tune your guitar for you? Yeah, usually the guitar's tuned for me, but um, I use the VG99 if I'm playing through that. I always check before we, we start into whatever it is I'm about to do. I mean, that, we got some tuners as well. I don't know, I'm old school, I, I listen to it, you know, I use my ears. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I'm going to get your book. I'm looking forward. I, yeah. I've read a lot of good reviews. And Oh, uh, it's going to be a movie, too. It's a documentary. Oh. But, uh, yeah. Uh, you, wow. Do you do the voiceover? Oh, yeah. I'm talking all the way through it. Do you guys have footage? You probably have some special footage in there of maybe home movies or things that... Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> it's a mix of, you know, old archival footage, TV shows, place in the 80s, oh, yeah. uh, the reunion tour, lots of backstage stuff. A lot of photography, still, everything. I mean, it's a brilliantly edited movie. i got to say, the guy's genius who put it together. It's really good. Well, I'll catch the movie, too. The first thing, I'm going to pick up the book. Yeah, it did really well. I won a big prize in England. Congratulations. Thank you. Any last advice you can give to guitarists out there? Do it if you're doing it for the right reasons. Because <laughs> it's a long haul. But I love it. Me, it's always... I've had a lifetime doing it, and I've never gotten tired of it. Andy, have an awesome day. Great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Andy Summers for coming on the show. And thanks to you for using really cool Boss and Roland gear. Oh, and by the way, underneath me is every breath you take from the police. And I'd like to plug Andy's website, andysummers.com, two M's in Summers. And finally, if you want to check out any of the cool stuff from Boss or Roland, just put Roland and then US after it.com or bossus.com. Those are websites to find out all about the Roland guitar synths or any cool Boss pedal or product. Thanks for listening. Paul Hansen here saying... See you later.